So from Afternoon Agency, I am Ryan Cairo, and this is Afternoons With, a podcast meant to create conversations around topics relevant to our industry and our culture. Through our agency, we aim to illuminate real stories and set fire to the status quo. And today's guest does just that. As we observe the conclusion of Black Music Month, we're spending our afternoon with music industry titan and advertising legend Steve Stout to discuss hip hop's influence on advertising. Steve is the founder and CEO. Thanks for having me. Of course. And uh, appreciate that wonderful introduction. Hopefully I can live up to it. Yeah, I'm sure you will. You've already lived up to it. And so Steve is the founder and CEO of marketing agency Translation Enterprises and more recently, the music distribution company, United Masters, which gives independent artists the control and ownership they deserve. Steve is also the author of The Tanning of America, how the culture of hip hop rewrote the rules of the new economy and wrote the playbook on authentically incorporating hip hop into marketing. In 2013, Steve was named Ad Age Executive of the Year and is the mastermind behind some of your favorite commercials featuring hip hop artists and star athletes. Ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Steve Stout. Thank you so much for being here, Steve. I know you had a birthday a few days ago, so I definitely want to wish you happy birthday. Well, thank you. Yeah, I uh, have the uh, honor of turning 50 years old. <laughs> That's a great honor. Congratulations. Yeah. It's certainly an unbelievable honor as a black man. Right. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So what did you do to celebrate? Family family uh you know it's like one of those things where but maybe if it was the if it wasn't this environment i would have had friends and probably do a you know a a nice party or whatever but given the fact that it was the pandemic you know sort of did the the safe thing and stayed with my family and did a couple zoom calls right well that's the way it should be well happy to happy to have you reach 50. So as we start, the first question I have for you is that if you can think back to the first campaign you remember that integrated hip hop and advertising, what was it and how did it make you feel? That I was involved in or that I seen? Either one. We were thinking about that you've seen, but you've been involved in so many that either one would be great. Wow. I can't remember the first one that I've seen. Um, I, I, I seen a lot of advertising that had hip-hop in it where it was it really wasn't good and they tried to use like rap music as a as a as a backtrack as the um as the sound bed i don't remember the hmm it's it's amazing i don't remember but i would say to you like the one that i i didn't have anything to do with um that comes to mind that was actually good mm-hmm. was the LL Cool J Gap commercial. Right. Okay, cool. And from so from the days of the, the 90s NBA All-Star Stay in School Jam to today, how do you feel about the evolution of the convergence of hip-hop and sports culture? Well, I think, um, well, in sports culture, we have to break that down. I think it's been great with the NBA as it's been with them, you know, utilizing the uh, the artists for the Stay in School Jam. Um, and it's starting to get integrated 
Um, obviously, with Jay-Z, with the NFL, that's going to make that better. I've not seen it in baseball. Um, I've not seen it in MLS. Um, you've seen it in boxing over the years. So I think that it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's good. There's been some great successes, but it still has a ways to go. I agree. I agree. And so specifically as it relates to hip hop culture, why do you think it's gotten easier to get advertisers to buy into rappers when the content of, of the music, the lyrical content hasn't really changed, but we're seeing more and more the, the fusion of advertisers um, and rappers? I think they're desperate to get aspect to get into the culture and they don't know what they don't know. Um, I think that's primarily driving it. I also think that it's the new mainstream culture. So they don't even realize they, all they know is that it's the most mainstream thing to do. Like it's, it's, it's as it's what we've been saying for years, but like hip hop is the new general market. So if you're a brand and you want to be in the general market, like how do you not use hip hop? Um, as it relates to lyrics and things like that, um, that's interesting to me as well, because um, there's a deeper story behind those lyrics, whether they understand it or not. Um, but we'll get into that in this interview. Absolutely, absolutely. And to that point, so now that hip hop's influence has become mainstream, do you think it's diluted the sanctity that the art form holds or held as a foundation of black culture? I think it's important that, you know, first and foremost, we recognize that anytime any culture, anytime anything becomes um, really popular, it's going to get watered down. That's actually one of the byproducts of popularity. Once everybody's invited, then it's no longer, it's further and further removed from the originators, the, the gatekeepers, the influence that had the taste that understood the baseline ingredients to make it work. And it becomes for everybody. And there's a point of when it becomes for everybody that everybody likes it because um, you see how massive it becomes. But then the downside to that is it becomes... Um, watered down it becomes homogenized right and so moving forward to today's media landscape what's your opinion on the content produced by brands and ad agencies nowadays and how do brands get it right and how do they get it wrong um how do brands get it right and how do brands get it wrong um let me just what how to get it right and wrong is a byproduct of who's doing the work who they're listening to um Who's on the front lines touching the work and where are they getting these cultural insights from? I think that's probably the biggest, that's the biggest way to inform whether they get it right or wrong. So if you are a writer and a designer, you're someone who works inside of an agency and you are connected to culture and you have a seat at the table for an execution, an idea. As long as you keep your foot rooted in the culture, your foot rooted in the truth that I do believe that's how you're going to get to the best possible answer. And by the way, it's not for everybody. It's not like, oh, it's hip hop. It's for everybody. Um, and it's not for every brand or every product. So like, I think that having the right gatekeepers doing the work, touching the work, informing the work is the only way you could actually 
have a shot at getting it right. Absolutely. I agree. We talk a lot about that internally um, at Afternoon Agency. But in shifting the focus to the artists, I'm wondering from you, due to the way that the music industry has shifted with social media replacing your MTV, BET video networks and streaming services replacing the radio, essentially, as someone that works closely with talent, how do you recommend artists approach brand partnerships, given the fact that cons- that sponsorships and touring is, is where they make a bulk of their money? Well, it, 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 it almost feels like you've read a lot of what I've... Um... I've said, because that's the truth. Um, Social media is the new MTV and the streaming service is the new music store. So artists are basically using the music as a way to advertise themselves to sell a higher margin good. That higher margin good looks like merch, which looks like anything, not just t-shirts. You know, The Weeknd was selling asterisks. (laughs) It's merch, it's whatever. Has your logo, your name on it, so that your fans can partake in the brand artists that they love. It's obviously in a normal environment, ticket sales, tickets. So it's how do you use the music as a way to advertise selling something that will actually get you a higher return? Because the music itself, um, at the, the way it's been priced on these streaming services and what they pay out in general, just doesn't get or create enough revenue as a standalone for an artist that's signed to a record company to make a living. Absolutely. And back in 2011, during an interview with NPR, when you were discussing your book, you mentioned that music acted as the Trojan horse for the culture, because ultimately, like you said, the culture is what drove audiences to purchase the products. And so do you still believe that identifying with the culture is the driving force behind the success of entertainment marketing and specifically hip hop and sports marketing? Yeah. I mean, I think it's super obvious that when you start looking at who's moving the culture it's the young uh, young urban millennial or gen zer who's fluent in what's taking place in the music world what's taking place in overall entertainment what what blogs are popping what you know what sites are popping what TikTok, who to follow like it's there's so much of of that intelligence in the modern day athlete in the modern day um sports marketer like it's very hard to navigate around that fact and the every time you try to like avoid that truth you end up walking into a bad place i have not seen any success or very little success when you consistently avoid hip-hop culture or the athlete's point of view specifically i just feel like those all those types of ideas have failed so it's become clear that the only way to succeed is to embrace the athlete, embrace the culture in which the athlete came from, and honestly listen to them. Because the predetermined version of it, which was yesteryear, uh, is no longer valid. Absolutely. And so what does entertainment marketing offer to the industry that's different or unique from traditional marketing? What's really the benefit there? Well, I think entertainment marketing has changed. Like, I mean, what's entertainment marketing should be or what it yeah it is a way to create marketing ideas in which the person who's consuming it is entertained and engaged through some entertainment mechanism so rather than just putting together a 30 second commercial that is informative 
but not engaging, like using entertainment as a way to engage someone. And that was always a thing. Like if whether you're going to do a short, a short film, a doc, uh, uh, um, a, a, a docu series around an athlete or around a musician, um, and then integrate a brand. That was the original. The original idea of branded entertainment was you would actually put the the original um, product placement in music videos. If you go back, I'll give you a good story here. Um, the iPod had come out and it really wasn't gaining traction when it was first launched. And what Jimmy Iovine, who was then the uh, uh, president and CEO of, of, of Interscope, he was very close to Steve Jobs and was helping Apple get the iPod launched. They started putting it in music videos. And literally Steve Jobs came to the set of 50 Cent's PIMP. And if you look at the beginning of that video, it starts with the iPod. That was the first product placement of the iPod. And they used that to get the iPod going um, with the music core consumer. That was a form of brand entertainment because what they did was they used the product as a way, the product had a role in the, uh, in the video, in the beginning of it. And then they went on to tell the story. And of course, the white iPod, the white buds, earbuds were omnipresent. So I think when you look at when you look at that back then and you look at where it is today, I mean, we've done everything from uh, coming up with music festivals for Budweiser with Jay-Z Made in America, which is a turn that into a documentary to um, integrating sports and marketing where you can't even really tell the difference. Um, the work we did for the the last dance for State Farm, where it was the ESPN Sports Center telling the future. Like these are little things that I believe are good for the brand, but it entertains the fan. It entertains the consumer in a way that's different than just writing a funny joke. And I like I I think of that as branded right that's very insightful and very helpful and i wanted to ask you since you've been the leader pretty much of this movement um and looking to the future it seems like the next iteration of the hip-hop sports business involves a level of ownership from when you look at dapper dan's partnership with gucci to the balls family's business deals so considering the work you do with united masters where do you see the future of hip-hop's influence on advertising well United Masters, I mean, the our whole thing is based off of ownership. Like, if, if, if we don't want to own your masters. We, we think that artists should automatically own their masters. We never understood why they didn't own it from the get-go. And what, we have, what we've been able to do as a result of having a great group of artists that work with us and they're independent, we've been able to get them opportunities and brand partnership deals for their music that works for them that if they were signed to a label probably would never happen because the label makes it extremely difficult to do licensing deals. There's a lot of times a company would tell you, man, I would have licensed that song, but I spoke to the label and they were like, nah, unless you give us this absorbent amount of money, they're not going to do it. And the artist is thinking, I would love to get my song placement in an NBA 2K ad. I'd love to get my music in um, an NBA or an ESPN commercial. But yet, 
it becomes cost prohibitive and extremely litigious to get things like that done. And we've been able to streamline that for our artists uh, to tremendous success. So I do believe that more artists will go independent. And as more artists go independent, brands will figure out they can actually work with these artists much more easily than they could have worked with them if they were signed to a record company. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think you're seeing that with, with artists, with athletes. So for sure. And so before we wrap up, I want to know from you. So I'm currently a rising junior at Georgetown University in DC. And so I'm wondering, how do you think marketing professionals looking to have a true cultural impact and that look like us and come from, from our communities should begin their journey? How should marketers who are looking to make true cultural impact, mm -hmm. how do I think about that? First of all, they need to give, you need to believe, and people who look like you need to believe that us, rather look like us, need to believe that they can go inside this industry and there is no low glass ceiling anymore. This industry has notoriously not allowed African-Americans to become great and rise to the top. That's just the way it's been. Um, and I will, as the weeks go on, I'll unveil a lot more of that intelligence because I think it's important for people to know, A, what the facts are, and B, how to rewrite history on this, or not rewrite history, you can't do that, but how to change a seismic shift so that history won't be, this won't be repeated. But I think like young African-Americans in these colleges like are sick and tired of hearing that they need to go through, young African-Americans in this industry are sick and tired of hearing they have to go through the diversity department. Sick and tired of hearing they gotta go through a side door. When you know you're better than that man, when you know you're more talented right. than that man. And like, I think the diversity departments as a standalone way of helping us is, is a failed model. If you're really talented, the last thing you want to do is feel like you got a hand-me-down. You want to feel like you earned it. So I think that that's a very important part of, of solving the problem is augmenting the chief diversity officer role and making it feel much more of an inclusive thing because talent like you, you're going to run away from stuff like that. You don't deserve that. You deserve to be able to beat the man in front of you right through the front door. Completely agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. And so as we wrap up, I have a few questions, current events for you. And I just want to do a speed round to, to gauge how you're feeling. Check your temperature on them. So first, how do you feel about the terms urban or multicultural when referring to messaging that appeals to minority communities? I always felt like urban is a, a, urban is a measure of space. It's a, um, urban is dense, rural. <laughs> is not dense at all and suburban is sort of in between um and this whole way of using urban to describe black people was something that i talked about years ago was was wrong when i just used urban earlier just so that we're clear i really am speaking about people who come from gentrified neighborhoods who come from urban environments um these are urban urban environments are densely packed with different types of people. And those types of people who you start learning many different cultures, 
you start eating and partaking in many different cultures that come and emanate from these urban environments. That's what I was speaking about. But I always felt like the word urban was grossly misused. And it was actually another way of saying African-American or black or some other word that uh, Caucasians would use to find a comfortable way of saying black because they don't even really know if they could say black. Right, it's used as a euphemism and black is not a bad word. I completely agree. Um, so how do you feel about TikTok and these hip hop dances? Uh, there's been some talk even with the All-Star Game this year about cultural appropriation. What are your thoughts on that? Look, look we talked about it. It's going to be mainstream, man. What, what am I going to do? Like, if, if, if the culture is going to be made, if the culture is grown up and we accept the fact that hip hop music has become the dominant music in the world. Therefore, the artists and everything about the, them are going to be emulated by the masses. So I can't, like, I don't want to be upset about that. Um, believe me, it's easy for me to say it ain't like it used to be. But that certainly isn't going to help anything. What's going to help it is these TikTok dances knowing where it came from, not thinking that they made it up, knowing that it came from Black people, knowing that this is a... And as long as we're being accredited for everything that we're inventing, I think it's fine. That's how I feel. Mm, very insightful. And I have two current events for you I'm going to throw at you. Hopefully you heard about them. I'm sure you have as a leader in the industry. But what are your thoughts on the Kanye West and Yeezy brand partnering with Gap? Uh, is that a, clearly that's not urban? Um, that's the right thing. I think that's the right thing to do. It, it actually goes to show you that a suburban brand needs this guy needs hip hop culture to revive it. That that just proves our entire point that the most suburban brand that was suburban and balling, lost, lost their way. And their biggest announcement that affected their stock price, that shareholders applauded, was to hook up with Kanye West. Like, there's nothing more to me that should tell us the power of our culture and the power of our influence more than that. Because if we're, if we got some of the biggest brands in the world saying if we don't this is this is it this is a very important part of our growth strategy then you at georgetown should be drafting off of that because you know exactly you're cut from that cloth and brands should want you inside their company want marcus graham um uh, uh, uh attendees of the marcus graham project people who've gone through that criteria Companies like mine at Translation, they should want that because that's obviously working. And it's not black. It's actually the new mainstream. Completely agree. I completely agree. One more thing that, that came out today, um, big news. I know that we've been talking about it a lot with our agency. Is Bozema St. John's newest move to CMO of Netflix. Did you get a chance to, to see that? Yeah, I've seen that. And so do you think moves like that are, are, are pushing the culture forward in a way that's necessary? I think Bose has, you know, gotten a lot of attention for work, things that she's done in the past. Like, it, it's, it's, it's the right thing for Netflix to do, but I don't think that, I don't think Bose is a surprising choice. 
she was at Uber, she was at Apple, she was at Pepsi. I mean, she's she's obviously um, well attuned to working within corporate America. It's if it was a new name that I never heard of, I guess I'd be shocked. So it's more like I'm proud of Bose to to, to get that role. We obviously need more Boses because it's we need to see new names, bro. We need Absolutely. to see new people, and it, hopefully Bose uses that platform, hires new people, and then those people become the next leaders of other companies. But hearing Bose's name was great because she's a black woman, was great because she's talented. So who's going to fill, is a black woman going to fill her former role? I don't want to play musical chairs with black people. I want new people. <laughs> I completely agree, completely agree. And we're going to close it out with one more question for you. It's going to take you back, so I hope you're ready. But what's your favorite campaign that you've ever done with translation or um, independently? The favorite cam my favorite campaign, the favorite thing I've ever done uh, easily is the, uh, the Jada Kiss Allen Iverson commercial. With Reebok. Um, Reebok. For Reebok, yeah. Um, only because it was, it was Jada Kiss rapping using the sound of the ball bouncing to make a beat and Hype Williams, who had never shot a commercial to that point, shooting it. So it was really the combination of sports, pure hip hop and basketball coming together. It was Hype, the, the visual architect, Allen Iverson, the MVP, who represented hip hop culture. And it was and Jadakiss, who was you know underground rapper at that time, right? And it was a track master, the, 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 you know, the, the, the top hip hop producers at that time. So putting all those people in a room and coming out with that product gave me the confidence that I could go and do anything. And I think even when I look back at it, it stands the test of time. And that makes me proud. Steve Stout, ladies and gentlemen. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great conversation. Appreciate you too. Um, and thank you all for listening. Celebrating Black culture 365 days a year. As a family-owned business, Everyday Black is committed to uplifting the Black community through expressive merchandise. Get 10% off your first order when you join the mailing list at www.everydayblack.net. You can follow along at underscore everydayblack on Instagram to keep up with the new items, deals, and giveaways. Love the skin you're in all year long with Everyday Black merchandise.